going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. It's the final edition of the Calgary Today podcast for 2018. We'll have a little fun on this one, talking about the year in review for music and for social media. Talk about the chilliest tradition I could ever imagine. And we'll start things off with those dreaded New Year's resolutions. Happy New Year, one and all. Thanks for all your support, and we'll see you all next year. New Year's resolutions are always a funky one. Like I said, I always call them lifestyle changes, and I I don't usually attach them to a particular date on the calendar or anything like that. And our next guest will talk us through some of the keys to making sure that if you do want to go that next step and you do want to rejuvenate yourself or rebuild yourself or rebrand yourself in a certain way, whether it's through healthy eating or active living or whatever the case may be, that you actually stick to it. He's a psychotherapist. He's also a life coach. Ken Fearheller is his name. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Happy to be here, Joe. Thanks. When it comes to New Year's resolutions, are they a good thing? Are they a bad thing? Or is it all in the eye of the beholder? Well, I'll probably go with with the last there, but I, I think... It's it's a good thing because any beginning is is a start, and, and I'm happy with any action like that. How do you maintain the momentum, though? Because I know after about a month, we all kind of go, ah, this is getting too hard, or this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or excuses, excuses, excuses. Yeah, Joe, I, I don't know about you or what sort of excuses you might come up with for yourself, but I know for myself, I... I'm pretty sophisticated with my, my rationale that I can come up with in, in the moment. And so I, I like to anticipate what my future self might come up with. So identifying any of those excuses ahead of time of what might I come up with that's going to get in the way of week one, week three, week four, that, that's, that's really, really uh, something that we need to focus in on. And so I think for for myself, if I know that I'm my future self is going to wake up one day and say, Ken, I don't actually feel like going to the gym today. Um, I, I need to have an override system ready for that. And so that, that that's what I want to be prepared for. How are you? Do you have any, uh, I guess, advice for those who are who know themselves well enough and have that self-awareness to know this is going to start off well and it's going to lose steam? So how do I maintain that? Mm hmm. So I think maintaining it is, is just being really clear with your goals and being able like, so part of that overriding that I was speaking about earlier is we want to be able to attach to that and uh, say to ourselves, okay, so what's my larger goal here? And if it's getting in shape, if it's eating healthy, really, really attaching ourselves to, to that value and that goal. And when we can do that, then in those moments where uh, we're having a down day, we can either negotiate that it's only going to be one day or we can say, okay, I, re- I already committed to this. This is already dis- a decision I made. And really staying committed to that is uh, a big piece of that. Is there a recipe for success when you factor in uh, smaller goals and, and trying to push towards the bigger goal? Or is it better to go all in on a bigger goal and just be nose to the grindstone that way? Well, so for myself, I, I know that I like to go for the larger goals, but uh, I, I think it, also knowing myself, it, going for the easy wins is, is where we get the momentum. 
So starting off small, getting those, that momentum back is really, really key. So I, I think a, a couple key ingredients would be, one, having an accountability partner. Now, obviously, a, a coach and therapist can be that for you, but even having someone that you go to the gym with, that you go to the yoga studio with, having that person outside of yourself that is holding you accountable is going to increase your chances of actually completing that action and that goal. When it comes to the the typical, you know, losing weight, eating healthy, that kind of thing, is, is the other important part is to sort of plan yourself around making sure that you stay away from the temptations of getting back into the old cycles? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if it, so if it's eating healthy, if you have the junk food in your house, that, that's going to be really, really hard, I think, to uh, to override and overcome. So I think if you can have a plan, again, this comes back to when we're, uh, when we have goals like new year's resolutions, really identifying all our obstacles is really, really helpful to actually achieving our goals and, and research backs that up. So we want to be able to understand what are all the obstacles going to be. And so if those obstacles are, uh, if the food is in the house and I'm going to eat it, or if, if I sleep in, I'm not going to go to the gym, then we have to find ways to, to plan around that and, and to remedy that. I found over the years is one of the, I, I've never really subscribed to the idea of New Year's resolutions as much as it is. I call the, I've always called them lifestyle changes. And it's one of those things where it's it's almost that mentality of knowing that I need to uh, make this a part of my daily life every single day. And so how integral is it to make routines when it comes to, especially the first few weeks of resolutions? Well, so I love, I love the language you use there. And I, I think that if we can, if we can get into a routine, then that routine is going to be really supportive for you. So in the very, very beginning, we're going to feel uh, an incredible amount of resistance to eating healthy or to getting into that routine of going to the gym or exercising more. But once we get past that tipping point of that resistance, then it gets a lot easier. And that's the sweet spot where, mm. uh, where we really get into that momentum where we start to really feel good. And once we get into that space, then, then that's the supporting routine. And I, I don't know what your routines look like. I have a morning routine that uh, sometimes I'm, I'm heavily into it. Sometimes I'm, I'm more distant from, but when I'm in it, I, I just, I feel like my relationships are better. I feel like I'm more on at work. So it's really, really mm. supportive. Yeah. And I think the other thing that comes into play for me anyways, is, is the ability to be okay with that odd slip up and not, you know, fret over it because I found in the past is once you start fretting over one, then it gets easier to be like, okay, well, now that I'm in the down cycle, I might as well stay there for a little while longer. Whereas if you just accept that, hey, every Sunday we're going to have pancakes for breakfast, uh, then it makes all the all the other efforts of the other six days maybe a little bit more, more worthwhile. I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I, I think that's where the momentum really comes into play, right? So as soon as we lose that momentum, it's easier to negotiate with ourselves. All right, what's one more day, right? So I'll, I'll, I, I can cheat tomorrow, uh, and or I can start tomorrow, I can cheat today. And so it, it's really, really easy to uh, continue that. Absolutely, Ken. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, Happy New Year to you and yours. Okay, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Ken Fearheller is a psychotherapist and life coach here in Calgary as we talk about New Year's resolutions. What might some of yours be?
text me, 403-974-8255. would like to hear what you're thinking on that topic and much, much more. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. All right, let's have a little bit more fun as we get closer to the end of the show. One of the things that I'm very, very passionate about on the side happens to be music. And this year, it's been, I want to have a bigger discussion about this in the new year as to what's defining this current generation of music. But when it comes to 2018, what did it all have in store? Alan Cross knows everything about music. He joins us now in the program. Alan, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. When you look back on 2018, what will you remember it for? A couple of things. We got an awful lot of Cardi B. A lot. Maybe too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She had, you know, some fantastic singles. Uh, this woman who <laughs> rose from the being a stripper in New York to becoming arguably the biggest new pop star of the year and uh, also for getting into fights with all kinds of people. So she was a really interesting character on the pop scene. The other person I think we should pay a lot of attention to is Ed Sheeran. The guy does look like a Muppet, but you have to give him props for the fact that in the calendar year, January 1st to December 31st, 2018, no one made more money than Ed Sheeran on the road. Uh, He made somewhere in the neighborhood of Oh God, five hundred! It was five hundred fifty-six million dollars between mid-February and mid-November, and no one has ever made this kind of money on the road in such a short period of time. In fact, I think his Divide tour and the numbers are still really coming in. But his Divide tour is now the second highest-grossing tour of all time, and uh, he made the bulk of that money in uh, in twenty eighteen. If you put him and Taylor Swift together, they were responsible from uh, from a, a gross box office point of view for selling about thirteen percent of all the concert tickets worldwide. Wow, that's absolutely yeah, absolutely incredible. The other thing that we should look at is uh, the Guns N' Roses tour, which has been going on since 2016. This is their not in their lifetime tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, not they made another eighty-two million dollars this year, and that puts them somewhere around five hundred and sixty million dollars for this tour, that would make it the number two grossing tour of all time behind U2's uh, 360 tour. So uh, a lot of money was made by some of these people on the road this year. Uh, U2 made a lot of money. Uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, that tour made a lot of money. Guns N' Roses, Ed Sheeran. Uh, You know, it was a very good year for superstar touring acts at the box office. Not so much if you're a middle-class musician. It, you know, became very difficult as CD sales continue to tank. As a matter of fact, um, the latest figures put uh, overall album sales in Canada at 23% less than they were at this point last year. CD sales have created by 27% from this point last year. And the only real bright spot in terms of physical music is vinyl, which is up somewhere between 22 and 25%. Very healthy, but still uh, it's the only thing that's showing any kind of growth beyond streaming. Now, when it comes to streaming, we're up about 38% last time I checked from this point last year as Canadians continue to flock to streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer and all the rest of them. Uh, and on a routine week, Canadians stream somewhere between 1.3 and 1.4 billion songs Um over a seven-day period. So we're getting there. Looking at the kind of music people are streaming, it tends to be pop, R&B, and hip-hop. Very little rock 
is being streamed, unless you want to count Imagine Dragons. They're the only ones that are, are making any kind of a dent. However, slowly, rock fans are and country fans are coming around to the fact that, yeah, it's okay to just sort of rent your music by paying your monthly subscription to one of these streaming services uh, because you get automatic access to 45 million songs and you never have to set foot in a record store. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, there are some record stores that are still doing quite well. I mean, Sunrise Records has a coast-to-coast chain. They seem to be doing quite well. I haven't heard any bad things about them. Um, There are independent record stores that continue to do well, selling a lot of vinyl. I mean, if you go into most of these stores, that's that's their, their bread and butter is vinyl. We had a very good record store day this year. We had a very good Black Friday record store day. Um, and then we had artists like Drake, who pretty much rule the, the world when it comes to uh, streaming. Uh, him and Ed Sheeran keep trading off for being the most streamed artists in the world. So uh, we're, we're seeing, oh, and since we're still talking about streaming, mm-hmm. uh, this was the year that all the major labels saw more than 50% of their streaming rev- uh, of, the, of their revenue, of the revenue period, come from streaming. And a smaller and smaller slice of the pie is the physical product. Right. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were to talk to any record label president and say, you know, if CDs and vinyl went away tomorrow, would you be upset? And the chances are, chances are they say no. I mean, there's manufacturing and warehousing and transportation and distribution. Uh, it's 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 worth it's it's an awful lot of hassle. Maybe more than it's worth when we're making so much of our money from streaming. What the interesting part about it to me is, especially, in, and maybe it's just because I'm I'm oversimplifying it, but back in the day, you'd have to go into a record studio, and you ha- you know every couple of years you pump out a new album. Whereas now, especially if you're a rapper, R and B, you're you don't have to get the whole band in there. You don't have to get that. You can literally record a song on your iPad and have something out to the world by the end of the day. Well, this is what uh, hip hop and rap have been teaching the rest of the world. Keep a steady drip of product coming. Doesn't matter if it's a single song, a mixtape, or an album. People want new stuff all the time. Now, if you talk to Max, the singer from the Arkells, he believes that entirely, completely. He says, if the song is ready, why do we keep the song until the next album cycle? Get it out there, mm-hmm. because that's what people want. People are becoming conditioned to having new stuff from their favorite artists all the time. And again, it doesn't have to be an album, but it has to be something. Uh, this has put the very concept of the album under a lot of pressure because if we don't have to wait every two or three years for a collection of 12 or 13 songs, that really messes up the paradigm that we have when it comes to marketing and selling music. Mm -hmm. And as consumers, we have to kind of get out of that mindset where, okay, well, here's a single and then here's another single and then here's the album and then here's the tour and then here's another single and, and you know, the, the old way of doing things yeah. that's changing dramatically. And it's, it's hip hop and R and B that are teaching us the way forward. I can only imagine what the future is going to have in store. Alan, I appreciate the time. We'll chat soon. I'm sure you bet. It was fun yesterday chatting with Adam Toy, our digital content coordinator, about the top stories on our website. But what about social media? Let's take a look down memory lane. Adam, thanks again for joining us this afternoon.
It's my pleasure. When it comes to the social media severe, what was most popular? What were the people really talking about this year? Hmm. Uh, uh, there was a number of different things. Uh, a lot of trends across all of the various uh, platforms uh, in uh, in Canada, like worldwide, it, there there were some major trends. If it was, I think 2018 was the year of Fortnite, the video games. Mm-hmm. So you saw all sorts of uh, memes and videos and stuff coming off of, of that, that, that game. Uh, K-pop, Korean pop, was a, a big mover in really? social media as well. Uh, the Me Too and Time's Up mm-hmm. uh, hashtags uh, got a, a, a ton of movement on, on social media and uh, even led to the breaking of some stories uh, online and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and in the news uh, cycle in general uh, with uh, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, and then I think the, the one thing that maybe stood out uh, if you're a fan of music or dancing or silly uh, stunts on social media. It was the uh, In My Feelings Challenge. Ah, yes. So that's Drake's In My Feelings. Uh, a, a comedian named Shiggy uh, turned that into a bit of a dance sensation when he broke out a bit of a, a choreography uh, on a street of, I'm not sure which city, I was yeah. trying to figure that out. So people then took this to a whole new level. People started imitating this dance and uh, nearly half a million people did it. Will Smith did it on the top of, I think it was a, a bridge uh, in in Budapest. right? Uh, and uh, then you also saw people, all sorts of uh, I guess in my feelings challenge fails where people were doing this alongside of a moving car and walking into other cars or dancing into <laughs> poles and so that trees <laughs> yeah exactly so that or that slipping was, on ice was some of the favorite yeah. ones I, I think I saw yeah yeah so that that was a, a, a big one for for sure this year it's fa- it's funny how many people uh, watch those uh, epic fail videos and that kind of thing right like the compilation ones I can't remember the name of the there's actually a show now on TV that's based solely off of crazy stupid people doing crazy stupid things <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. we're, we're was, that, was that Rob Deerdeck's one there's that there's yeah. uh, ridiculousness is yeah. his and then there's another one I, I can't remember the name there's actually a YouTube channel based mm, off yeah, of it so yeah, yeah. I mean the the Stupid people doing stupid things. I mean, that's that seems to be a, a bit of a, a theme in, in social media sphere nowadays, but a lot so, more, too. So uh, here's a question for you. Who do you think had the tweet that was most liked by Canadian users, by, by users in Canada? Ooh. Notable individual. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Drake. Nope. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna guess this so wrong. It's not even funny. So I, yeah, I, Drake's probably the only one that I would think would have that kind of following. The 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, when he tweeted out, "Young people have helped lead all our general, all our great movements. How inspiring to see it again in so many smart, fearless students standing up for their right to be safe." Wow, that was the that was the number one tweet retweeted in Canada. Most liked, oh, most liked. by Canadian gotcha. users. So hitting the heart, yeah, and right. that got one point six million likes. Wow, on Twitter. Um, yeah, some of the other uh, notable stuff for, off of Twitter uh, is again, uh, K-pop was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BTS and EXO uh, Twitter accounts were the were uh, among the top five of Canada's most mentioned Twitter accounts. Donald Trump. Number two, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube, number three, and Trudeau, number four. 
Huh. Uh, yeah. Um, it's amazing how we're so enveloped in American politics that way. But anyways, <laughs> continue. Uh, uh, Deadpool uh, did Ryan Reynolds uh, pretty yes. well this year. He was the most con- mentioned Canadian male actor in Twitter on Twitter in 2018. Uh, and then uh, Canada's most mentioned sports team on Twitter. Who do you think that is? Got to be the Raptors. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and, and I cheated a little bit on that okay. because uh, Jock Wilson actually asked that question and I said, it's probably the Raptors. And so we had a joke about how he needed to mention a little bit more of the uh, of the rap come into his sports cast. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know if he's delivered on that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, jumping over to in, uh, Instagram quickly. Uh, the So there is... Um, the most used Giphy sticker was it looked like somebody texted you a heart. Uh, hearts actually were big in 2018 on Instagram. Yeah. The face filter was the most used face filter was heart eyes. Uh, the number of times the heart was used in comments was 14 billion. Wow. Uh, the happiest geotag location in the world, Disneyland Tokyo. Hmm. Another social media trend that I forgot to mention off the top, ASMR. No idea what that stands for. So it is autonomous sensory meridian response. So it's a it's an audio recording that's supposed to um, create a tingling sensation in the skin. Um, yeah. Huh. I'm learning new things, which <laughs> makes me go, I know nothing about this world, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a whole different world out there. Well, and social media definitely provides that, but it allows us to be... I mean, it's one thing I know a lot of people hate on the social media side mm-hmm. of it, but at the same time, it's created a connectivity that we've never, ever seen before yeah. either. And so trends now go global versus go super local. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side, I think you're starting to see a, a hyper-local um, aspect to it too, as we talked about yesterday with uh, the global local news or what was big on the uh, the local global news yeah. side of things. So yeah, and I you know what I can't uh, get out of this segment without uh, mentioning the Walmart kids singing Mason Ramsey with the right. yodeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> funny that way. Is we whenever you do the 365 days previous, you go, man, I forgot that even happened. Yeah, so we could go on for days, but uh, we're we running sure out of time there, yeah. Adam. Uh, as always, a pleasure. Have a have a great New Year, my friend. We'll see you next year. Yes, we will see you <laughs> and Happy New Year. <laughs> Who has the best New Year's Day plans? I know everybody's got their New Year's Eve plans all figured out, but it, when I think about ideas for what to do on New Year's Day... The idea of dunking myself into icy cold waters is not among them. And yet some people are thinking that the Calgary Polar Ice Dip is taking place on January 1st. Joining us now for more on that, we're joined by organizers Bernie Potvin and Ross Weaver. Uh, Guys, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. Let's talk about the Polar Dip. When does it happen and what is it all going towards? January 1st, 1 p.m. at Mahogany, a new district down here at the far south of Calgary. And we, this is our 10th year. We do this uh, fun event for a very serious cause for Servants Anonymous Foundation, who work with victims of sex trafficking and provide recovery programs and homes uh, for women and girls taken out of sexual activity, sexual trafficking. What prompted this in the very early stages uh, that first year? 
Well, this is Ross, and I can tell you it was uh, it was interesting. We were we knew about this organization. We knew the founder. They've been doing this for thirty years. Started here in Calgary, and now they're in fifteen centers in seven different countries around the world. And we said we just need to do something to support uh, what they're doing. And so we looked around. And we realized that the, there there wasn't a really kind of major polar dip in Calgary, and we had a little lake in our community. We said, let's go up there with a sledgehammer and see if we can knock a hole in the ice. And seven of us, 10 years ago, jumped into that hole in the ice, and uh, it's kind of grown ever since. This year, we expect to have 150 dipsters, we call them, in the water out at Mahogany Lake. You, I, I can only imagine that there are a gazillion better and warmer ways to raise <laughs> money, but yet you guys decided on this. Why dipping into the ice-cold January water? Well, we've, we, as old guys in action, we've done other uh, crazy things. We've cycled through countries, uh, Sierra Leone, Guatemala. We've run marathons in Kenya. Uh, Toronto, Calgary, and then we a big dream 12 years ago was to run across Kenya, and that just kept getting put off for one reason or another. So, sitting down about, oh, I guess about 11 years ago, we looked at each other and says, well, if we're not going to run across Kenya, what's another crazy thing that we can do and raise awareness and some funds for uh, best in class, as it were, people who are doing something really good and important in the world, and came up with this idea. It says, well, we jump into frozen uh, water here in Calgary. Nobody else is doing it. Raise awareness for good causes. And so that's really how it started. Our, uh, old Guys in Action, um, it's a bit of an eclectic group. We use that term for primarily Ross and I, but there are a number <laughs> of people that join us uh, over the years. They've come with us in different our different escapades. And so far, so good. You know, the cool thing about uh, the polar dip is that of all the things we do, it, it requires the least amount of training. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'll take a cold shower in the morning, but you don't even need to do that. You just need to stand on the end in a funny costume and jump into the lake. And before you know it, you are in a hurry to get out and you get out, but no training whatsoever. So that's why, uh, you know, we encourage people to come out and do this on January 1st. And Joe, I'm going to add that not only the least amount of training, the least amount of brains. <laughs> well, then I'm qualified. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's funny that way is is even with the, the runs that you guys do and everything else that you guys are involved in that you've alluded to already is that there's, there's an aspect of breaking down the physical barriers that you face, but also even the mental ones and this is probably one of those ones that you got to kind of break through the the ice that might be surrounding your brain in a sense yeah you, you don't want to you stand there and you about five minutes before your turn to go in you think well what have i done you know <laughs> this is crazy uh, but once you're in you come out and it's really quite exhilarating um, and i think to a person people have said this is really worth the effort and worth the craziness that uh, we've never had anybody say well you know, that was a waste of my time or that was crazy. We've had a lot of people say, I'll never do that again, mm -hmm. which is understandable. But uh, we have a great quote from one of our dipsters uh, in, the, in last year's documentary that she she came out and she said, I can't stop smiling. My face is hurting. I can't <laughs> wait to do it again next year. <laughs> and, and literally, it, it probably stayed frozen in time for a little <laughs> while as well. It's it's incredible. And, and again, like like you were saying, is it's basically five seconds of pain that raises awareness that could last for a lot longer than that. 
<laughs> well, the, the, this is such a sick, sick um, situation we have. You know, human trafficking is the second largest industry of organized crime. Uh, one estimate it grosses over $150 billion a year. Uh, many traffic victims are tricked and forced into the sex trade. I mean, nobody freely chooses that lifestyle. Uh, you know, the average age of, of co- being coerced into sex trafficking in Canada is 13. Now, just wrap your mind around that. Um, so it's a horrible, horrible uh, situation. Uh, and the stories we've heard from Servants Anonymous Foundation around the world in the seven different countries, it's it just, it, it, you can't, Ross and I have always said, you just can't sit there when this injustice is going on. So what the SA Foundation does uh, with, with these girls is that they provide long-term recovery homes. So they come out of the situation they're in and they go into a house where there is true love, there's true support, there's security, and then there's programs. And it's a, an average of three years. So these are long-term programs because girls uh, often um, at 13 years on average, they have an average of grade 8 education in Canada. So if they're going to transition into a new life, they need education, they need support, um, and they need encouragement, the kind of things that we all take for granted as we're growing up that these girls didn't have that opportunity. So SA Foundation provides uh, that long-term recovery and sets them into new futures that they otherwise wouldn't have. It's definitely a worthwhile cause. You can head to calgaryicebreaker.com for more information. The event itself happening January 1st. And Bernie and Ross, thank you so much for joining us today, guys. Uh, Thanks for having us. Pleasure, Joe. Very good. Thanks for doing this. Bernie Potvin and Russ uh, Ross Weaver, the organizers for the Polar Ice Dip happening New Year's Day. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.